You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. So today is, in fact, PFF Day. We do have a very compressed week, so I want to try to fit in as much as we possibly can, as fast as we possibly can. But we do have to do a recap, and I, I want to add a little bit of a wrinkle this week, and that wrinkle being a heavy context week. A lot of the time we'll go through some of the, the grades and some of the stats, and they're kind of just standalone, right? They just kind of sit out there in space, in a vacuum, and it's like, how many of this did you get? Four. Okay, cool. I want to kind of look around the league and just kind of see sort of the highs and lows of some of these things. Um, I also thought it would be cool to kind of look at some of the people that had really good weeks. And maybe some of the superstars and what they were doing. Because again, just heavy context. So for example, when we look at stops, you'll see maybe a high of four, then a couple with three, a few with two, and like a bunch with one. Is that good? Are people out there getting like 19 stops? Like what, what, what is a, I know they're not, but you know, just, just a rain. Maybe we get a guy with five and that was the highest for the week. I have no idea. Maybe we're a team that gets a ton of stops. I don't know. It's a stat that I don't know a ton about in terms of what's good and what's bad. Do most teams have, you know, 20 and we get seven? So I'm not going to do that for every single thing. But just as we kind of go along, I want to start to learn a little bit more myself as well as as a listening audience, sort of what the ranges are and what some of the expectations should be, because I think either we just don't know and just kind of brush it off or sometimes set unrealistic expectations. And, and of course we do. but. One of the the main things is if you have a good player, that player should be good all the time, right? It's always disappointing to see, you know, for example, Rashawn had a bad week or um, I don't even know. We're we're running low on superstars (laughs) at this point. I would say Kenny, but it's not even a disappointment at this point. He spends as much time on the bottom as he does on the top. Had a good week this week. Um, I don't know. But just kind of go through and, and see that it's not true that really good players are just good all the time. That's not the reality but they are really good most of the time, or at least good most of the time, and really good this many times. So that's sort of the goal today. So without further ado, why don't we go ahead and get started? Special teams. Three guys graded out fairly well, Malik Heath, Benny Sapp, and Eric Wilson. 
Nobody was super exceptional, basically just 70. Only one guy was really bad, and that is Dallin Levitt. Um, Levitt was actually let go from the team, which I kind of... Again, I'm, I, I, I can't help but have these 2018 sort of vibes again. Do you remember in 2018, if you did anything wrong, you were getting cut? You take the ball out of the end zone when you shouldn't have and immediately get cut? There was that player that went up and like smacked a guy and the coaches came out and basically defended him like, yeah, you know, you, you, heat of the moment, et cetera, et cetera. Gutekunst is like, nope, gone, bye, see ya. Dallin Levitt had like two penalties on one play. I think he like got in the face of a ref or something and it's like, nope. Basically, zero tolerance policy. In 2023, there is a zero tolerance policy. And a lot of people that would have been considered safe when you're kind of going all in and you really need these kind of core, like, you know, we can't mess around with losing a guy like Dallin Levitt. The coaches really like him, et cetera. It's like, I don't give a crap. The GM starts to take a much stronger position in these situations. And Dallin Levitt crossed a line and Rich Bisacci and Matt LaFleur can't save him. He had a really bad day. He popped off at a ref, and the GM said, I don't want to hear it. He's out. Rich Bisacci and Matt LaFleur, Bisacci didn't even get a call. Matt LaFleur probably found out after the fact. It wasn't like, hey, we got to talk about Dallin. Like, what do you think? Da-da-da-da. It was just, hey, just letting you know, he just got traded or cut or whatever the situation was. Released. In his place, however, we did uh, bring Patrick Taylor up or signed him to the uh, active roster and then brought in James Robinson running back to the practice squad. And I know there's probably a lot of, well, we needed a running back, so that had to happen. No, Dallin Levitt didn't have to go within 24 hours of him making a mistake. There's a lot of other guys that could have gone bye-bye. Kind of a funny story about that, though. Uh, Matt Schneidman says, uh, new and old Packers running back Patrick Taylor said he got the call about coming back to Green Bay at halftime of Sunday's game, mere minutes after Aaron Jones and Emmanuel Wilson got hurt. He was watching on TV and figured the call was coming. How cool is that, by the way? First of all, Gutekunst isn't screwing around. <laughs> Emmanuel Wilson goes down and he flips through his little Rolodex, finds Patrick Taylor and calls him like, hey man, what's going on? How you doing? But for Patrick Taylor, you're watching a Packers game. You see two injuries and get a call on your phone from the Green Bay Packers as you're watching it on TV. That's the coolest freaking thing ever. But anyways, let's get over to the offense real quick. Um, we had, depending on where you put your cutoffs or whatever, I'm going to say five good grades, four or five-ish pretty bad grades. On the negative side, again, I usually look below about a 55-ish. We had Ben Sims, Yash Nyman, Aaron Jones, and then Sean Ryan at the bottom. Now, just really quickly. I'm once again seeing this scream for Sean Ryan to come back and play. I'm not going to call anybody out in particular, but it's it's all over the social medias. John Runyon is terrible. Sean Ryan is great. There was some stat put up about on Sean Ryan's two drives. It's like seven carries, 77 yards or something, which first of all, unbelievable small sample size. Second of all, does that have anything to do with Sean Ryan? Did they run at Sean Ryan? Is it? We, no idea. We just, the, apparently there was a couple good runs when Sean Ryan was on the field, and so he needs to be playing over Runyon. Look, I've, I've, I've already stated Runyon's not doing a fantastic job. There's no doubt about it. But pretending we know some kind of information about Sean Ryan that is positive and it's not. Let me just tell you why he graded out so poorly. And again, he didn't play very much. He played six snaps. Four of them were pass blocking. Two of them were run blocking. 
part of the reason why we shouldn't care about what we've seen so far. But he had a 60 run blocking grade, which is exactly 60, which means more than likely on those two run blocking snaps, the play wasn't to Sean Ryan. On his four pass blocking snaps, do you know what his pass blocking grade was? Maybe you already saw it out there on the social medias or whatever. But if you didn't, take a wild guess what you think it might be. Ready? A zero. Zero pass blocking grade. He's an offensive lineman. The second worst was Malik Heath with a 28.9. And a 28.9 pass blocking grade is horrific. Now, you don't really care because he's a wide receiver and it was one time and he shouldn't even be pass blocking anyways. But a 28.9 is like, shake your head, what the heck are you doing? Sean Ryan is an NFL offensive lineman, and he had a zero pass blocking grade. I'm not going to start screaming for Sean Ryan. Now, if we want to simply say, look, I don't think Sean Ryan's very good, but we kind of know John Runyon's not getting it done right now. I wouldn't hate it if just for the sake of experimentation, we gave him a shot, right? We're seeing a ton of... Walker Nyman, Walker Nyman, Walker Nyman at left tackle. Whether it's injury or just you suck it out, never mind, you suck worse, get the other guy back in, whatever. Let's just try it. I don't mind taking that approach to this situation. I do mind this thing where we pretend that Sean Ryan is doing a fantastic job and the Packers are complete idiots for putting Runyon out there who's garbage when we have Sean Ryan who is an elite football player. This whole narrative is so stupid. It's spun up into nonsense. Sean Ryan has been terrible. He has played 21 snaps, 6 pass blocking, 15 run blocking. He has a 63.4 run blocking grade and a 1.4 pass blocking grade. I would love it if Sean Ryan became just a dominant, dominant right guard for us. An adequate pass blocker that's a road grader and everything else. You know what I would love even more? Let's let John Runyon finish out the year and see if he can turn this around. If not, let's draft somebody and get a really good football player. Because I don't think Sean Ryan or John Runyon are going to be the answer long term. I just don't. There was a time when I did. But this year, he's imploded. He's demonstrated he's not the guy. He can't even be the guy that's a mediocre run blocker and a great pass blocker. Instead, he is a putrid run blocker and a mediocre pass blocker, and that's not good enough. And you've decided to do that the exact year that our GM is in throat-cutting mode. So I'm sorry, I'm going to be a little bit mean here and say you deserve to lose your job if you're going to do that at this particular point in time. Sean Ryan gets a minor opportunity to come out and play right guard and got a zero pass blocking grade. You know what? I'm over it. I'm over it. We have a right tackle. We have a left guard. I don't mind the center, but if we find somebody better, I'm fine with it. We need a new left tackle. And we should really, really look into a new right guard. Let's just go get some guys. You know what? Free agency. We got a little bit of money these next couple years. Maybe we look at a guard. They're not super expensive. You can get a premier guard for less than $20 million. You could probably find somebody that's an upgrade for 12 ish or something. You know, I don't know. Not sure what the going rate is going to be in 2024, but I think we could probably swing something. I don't, I'm sorry, I don't care about Sean Ryan. This is, this is a situation where next year he needs to come back better and stronger and faster and smarter, and he needs to just dominate in training camp and prove he can do it. In 2023 midseason, do I want to see Sean Ryan take over? Nope, I don't. John Runyon, you've got the rest of the year to figure it out. If you can't, we find somebody else. If you can, cool, bueno, we're good, we'll keep you there. Sean Ryan has proved nothing. He was terrible last year. He was terrible this year. In his 21 snaps, he's been terrible. He's not good. 
He's not the answer to anything. He is the embodiment of the third round curse. I don't need to see Sean Ryan playing right guard. I don't. He'll be here for a while. He's 23 years old. If he can figure it out next year, great. I don't need him out there midseason right now. I don't need him getting Jordan Love killed because we're just curious. I don't need to see Jordan Love taken out on a stretcher because, I don't know, let's just see what he can do. Oh, whoops-a-daisy, let's put John Runyon back out there. We don't have time for whoops-a-daisies. I know it's a figure-out-what-you-got year, but we kind of know what Sean Ryan is, and we know what he isn't, and he's not a starting NFL right guard right now. He's not. I'm just, I'm just over it with Sean Ryan and all the calls for Sean Ryan to take over. He ain't the dude. Anyways, on the positive side, and we can grab a couple different guys here. We'll go down a little bit. Josh Myers at a 67. He had a very prototypical Josh Myers day. 76.6 pass blocking, 63.2 run blocking. That's the guy where it's like, if you can stay there, I got your back. I got your back. People can kick and scream and piss and moan and cry and whine all they want. This version of Josh Myers with a 67.4 overall grade is all I've ever wanted. Now, would I stick my nose up at an elite, you know, Corey Lindsley center? No, I mean, whatever. But this is more than fine. It's just a question of can you continue to do this and not keep falling apart and making me look like a jagoff? <laughs> Every time I defend you, it's like, oh, you got a four run blocking grade. <laughs> Jerk. All right. After that is Jaden Reed with a 68.8. Seems like it should be higher, but it's not. There's a lot of that. Then you have A.J. Dillon with a 69.3 grade. Romeo Dobbs, 72. Zach Tom with a 73. Zach Tom is just becoming like maybe our best offensive player at this point. He's so, I think, if I'm not, let me just check, incredibly consistent. Yeah, more or less. Um, Last week against Pittsburgh, it was a 61 grade, but he still had a good run blocking grade. So he hasn't had a game without like a single, when did he have a, he had like one bad run blocking grade week two against Atlanta and he had an 80 pass blocking grade in that game. So he's been consistently just good across the board. He has a 79 overall grade, 74 pass blocking and 79.6 run blocking. How did that slip under the radar? We have a really good run blocking offensive lineman on this team. He had a 55 run blocking grade last year. Zach Tom is it's really incredible. And again, Gutekunst has made mistakes, and he's made bad picks. To be able to find guys like Zach Tom in the fourth round is so unfreaking believably rare. Tackle is such a hard position. There are guys taking first-round swing after first-round swing after first-round swing and can't get offensive linemen. The Seahawks did it for years. The Vikings did it. Everybody that you're trying to build an offensive line, the Vikings finally got it. The Seahawks started to figure it out. It's really hard to find offensive. I mean, it's hard to find football players, period. It's this notion that you just draft guys and they're good and then you're good. Like, it's so simple. You're an idiot. Fourth round. I think the last time somebody hit a home run in the fourth round for an offensive lineman was probably David Bakhtiari. <laughs> you probably find one or two others, but I mean, it's, it's so unbelievably rare. And I'm not going to call Zach Tom David Bakhtiari necessarily, but this is a really incredible hit in the fourth round of the draft. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. 
And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Then above that, you had Rashid Walker, and then number one was Dentavian Wicks with a 76.1 grade. Rashid Walker has been a little bit more up and down, but has actually been a really consistently good pass blocker, um, which I've been saying for a long time, we got to find a new left tackle. But I got to be honest, man, if he can continue this way, I mean, he's 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 going to end up being sort of in Josh Myers territory, which a lot of people are going to hate him, but it is what it is. He has a 73.4 pass blocking grade and a 53.3 run blocking grade. He had one bad day as a pass blocker. That was against Denver. He had a 40.7 grade, but it's been basically 70s and 80s every single week. So he started off 70, 70, 70, 70, 70, rounding, and then 40. Then it's been 80, 70, 65, 80. So in the last four weeks, he's got two 80s, which he didn't have all year. So two of his best games have come recently. He also had his first really good run blocking grade recently, so he's still continuing to improve, which I guess makes sense. He's a 23-year-old who's in his second year. I don't know. I, I, I have such a bias when it comes to the draft, especially against seventh-rounders, especially, especially seventh-round left tackles, that it seems impossible. But, I mean, where does he rank right now? Yeah, Rashid Walker for pass blocking is um, 28th and Zach Thomas 25th. Now, that's not top five. But there are 32 teams, and there's two tackles on each team. So on average, teams have one in the top 32 and one in the top 64. Or, you know, two in the top 64, whatever. Packers have two in the top 32. That's two number one tackles. Most of these guys are left tackles, by the way, which makes sense that your best pass-blocking guys would be your left tackles, and the rest of the tackles on your team that suck, you stick them at right tackle, which is to say Zach Tom is the one, two, three, four, fifth highest-graded pass-blocking right tackle. But you look at guys that were drafted in the last two years, Rashid Walker and Zach Tom are both top five. And, and remember, there are 19 guys, but there are a lot more tackles that were drafted. They're just not playing. All the other seventh round tackles, I would guess none of them are playing. And I mean, you got guys like Evan Neal, who was picked seventh overall, who has had two years of being one of the worst tackles in football. I mean, guys that are ranked lower. Um, who do we got here? We got uh, Kamakwanu, who was sixth overall. You got Paris Johnson, who was sixth overall this past year. You got Broderick Jones, who was pick 14 this year. You've got Trevor Penning, who was picked 19 last year. You got Darnell Wright, the Bears guy, who was picked at 10 this year. This is These are first-round picks. Luke Decky was a second-round pick. Um, a couple other mid-round guys, but I mean... <laughs> 
to be top five among mostly first and second round picks. That's wild stuff, man. And then overall, Zach Tom is number two behind Bernard Raymond among first and second round tackles. And there's only two tackles that have pass blocking and run blocking grades in the 70s or higher, and that's Zach Tom and Bernard Raymond. The only two. There's some context for you. Bottom line, I mean, Rashid Walker is playing like a starting NFL left tackle. He's not David Bakhtiari, but he is better than a lot of tackles in the NFL right now. Again, Dentavian Wicks, number one, 76.1 grade. In the middle of that, starting from high to low, you have Jordan Love. They gave him a 69.5 pass block, uh, passing grade. I was convinced this would be his first 80. We'll dig into some of the stats and see maybe what happened. Um, again, 65 was his overall grade, which was impacted by his running grade, which was a 41. But the passing grade specifically was a 69.5. So that kind of surprised me. Um, Emmanuel Wilson, 62. Tucker Craft, 61. Luke Musgrave, 60. John Runyon, 60. Josiah DeGuara, 60. Elton Jenkins, 59. Christian Watson, 56. And uh, Malik Heath with a 56. All right. So Jordan Love did have a 22 fumbling grade, 41 rushing grade. He had some issues with that. But um, again, 67.5% completion percentage. That goes up to 80.6 adjusted completion percentage when you factor in the two drop a batted pass, one time he was hit as he threw, two throwaways, 80.6 completion percentage, 322 yards, two touchdowns, no pick, 8.1 yards per attempt, 108.5 NFL passer rating. Only two big-time throws, but that accounts for 4.9%, which is pretty high, and one turnover-worthy play, which is 2.3%, relatively low. His time to throw was 2.43, which is great, especially as many shots as he took down the field. I guess from a statistical standpoint, I don't really see a lot of area. You know, you could look at it and say it was kind of fluky because actually he had no big time throws or five turnover worthy plays, but they were all dropped or whatever the case might be. There's really none of that. 16 first downs. Um, his pressure, it was 30%, which again is pretty standard. It's not like it was 5% pressure, so it's a little bit unfair or biased or whatever. It was 30%. He had a, they gave him a 61 grade under pressure, a 72.6 grade while kept clean. So with no pressure, he was 22 of 30, which is 73.3%. His adjusted completion percentage goes up to 79.3, 235 yards and a touchdown. While under pressure, he was 5 of 10 for 87 yards and a touchdown, but um, his adjusted completion percentage goes up to 85.7% because you had a drop, uh, hit, one time hit as he threw, and two throwaways. So that would put him at five of six if you deduct those four from his total attempts. So from PFF standpoint, he was five of six for 87 yards and a touchdown, and they gave him a 60.8 grade. Zero big time throws, one turnover worthy play. His time to throw with no pressure was 2.13. He was getting the ball out fast, which is, I mean, there's definitely a correlation between getting the ball out quick and a really efficient, good offense. It could be cart before the horse, chicken or the egg kind of a thing, but whatever. Under pressure, 3.12 seconds, but he had a 113.3 passer rating while under pressure. I don't know. I mean, this is what every once in a while you look at the, the PFF grades and whatnot, and it's like, you know, they've got their process. I don't know exactly what happened. I'm actually especially baffled because they tend to be lean more toward um, consistency. And this was one of his more consistent games. I mean, I would have thought he would have gotten a lower grade in, you know, a couple weeks ago when he played really good in a half but was terrible for a half because it would 
you know, it would come out to a bad grade because there was no consistency there. So I don't know what brought them to this conclusion, but this is one where you just throw it away because I don't care. And honestly, it's the same for Jaden Reed. Like, well, he had a 60-something. Eh, screw you. He, he had a fantastic game. I don't care. Like, well, he ran a bad route before. You just didn't see it. Dude, you know, it is what it is. Sometimes it's the upside that matters. It's the production in moments that are important, and PFF doesn't grade for that. And that's fine. Again, they have a process. It gives you information, but it isn't necessarily the be-all, end-all. It depends what exactly you want to know. You got a guy that steps up on third down every single time, is converting critical things, making unbelievable catches, you know, getting the scoring touchdowns and all that kind of stuff. He was the guy that made the difference. PFF doesn't necessarily differentiate those things. Fine. But I'm happy with what Love did. I'm happy with what Jaden Reed did. I'm happy with what Christian Watson did. He's been getting bad grades every week. I don't give a crap. I'm really happy with what Wicks is doing. They're recognizing that. Great. I'm happy with the offensive line. I'm happy with the coaching staff or the offensive play calling, at least. I'm 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 happy with it, and I'm not going to let PFF necessarily ruin my happiness with a couple players that, that I appreciated. Could be wrong. Maybe Jordan didn't have that good of a day, but... Again, I'm ha- if you can keep doing this, go ahead and take the 60 grades. I don't give a crap. I was happy with this. He was two of four on deep passes for, do some quick math here, 30, 40, 53 yards and a touchdown. Uh, passes between 10 and 20. He was four of seven for 65 yards and a touchdown. Sorry, four of eight. I didn't see that other one there. And then on short passes, um, out of 16, he converted 14. He was, he was 14 of 16 for, let's see, 80 plus 15 is 95, 158, 158 yards. And then behind the line of scrimmage, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. He was seven of eight for 51 yards. I'm an idiot. They do the math for me. I'm, I'm looking at the, the directional thing and everything else, but we got all the math down here. It doesn't matter. All right, running the ball. Nobody really had a good rushing grade. Uh, The best was A.J. Dillon, 69.2. Jaden Reed, 66. Christian Watson with a 59. Emmanuel Wilson, 58. Aaron Jones, 56. And Jordan Love, 41. Um, The biggest disparity, uh, Jaden Reed, 15.3 yards per attempt. Jordan Love, negative two per attempt. Uh, Yards after contact. Emmanuel Wilson was actually the best at three yards after contact. Christian Watson, also three yards after contact which isn't great when you have one yard per attempt and three yards after contact per attempt. So he avoided negative plays, basically. Uh, Forced missed tackles. Christian Watson had one. Aaron Jones had one. Longest carry, Jaden Reed, 32 yards. Carries over 10 yards, only two in this game. Both were Jaden Reed. Only two carries over 15 yards. Both were Jaden Reed. I do think missed tackles forced, by the way, is one of those things the Packers never really do a lot of. Occasionally, Aaron Jones will kind of pop pop off. Let's see what some of his best were. Um, this year, his best was actually only two in a game. Go back to 2022. Last year, his best. So he did have one game with 11 missed tackles forced against Chicago, one with 13 against Buffalo, which is obviously fantastic. But generally, it's one or two per game. He had one other game with six, one game with three. Everything else is zero, one, or two. Um, if we look at missed tackles forced... I mean, there's 17 guys with more than two this week. 17. And um, many of them didn't even get to like 15 carries. So Singletary, Connor, Saquon, Jerome Ford, David Montgomery, Tank Bigsby, Elijah Mitchell, Brian Robinson, Christian McCaffrey, Royce Freeman, Raheem Mostert, 
Travis Etienne, Najee Harris, Tony Pollard, Jalen Warren, Alexander Madison, DeAndre Swift all had more than two. Um, nine guys had more than, excuse me, 10 guys had more than three. Nine guys had more than four, so five or more. Uh, you had seven with more than five, and there were two guys with seven missed tackles for. So that's that's an area that the Packers don't really excel at. You very rarely see more than two, and that's a common occurrence to get more than two. In fact, it's very rare to get zero, and A.J. Dillon, with his 19 carries, had zero. In fact, he was... Um, him and James Cook were the only one with 19 carries and zero. Everybody else had less carries than that that had zero. It was 5, 4, 7, 11, 11, 12. And then A.J. Dillon and James Conner both had 19. So Dillon is not very good at forcing missed tackles at all. He did have four against Pittsburgh and four against uh, Denver, but he has 13 so far this year in 10 games. So he averages a little over one per game. Just as a point of reference, Derek Henry, who he was kind of brought in to be, has 30 so far this year. So he averages three per game. Context. Something fun to kind of keep on uh, an eye on, too, as you look at college draft prospects. Again, you always kind of look through the Packers' prism. Um, you know, if you're looking to replace Aaron Jones or whatever, you're like, okay, I got to find guys that can do these things that jo- that that uh, Love can't or whatever. Um, I think I said Jones. If you're trying to find a running back to replace this, you're trying to find guys that fit in those gaps. Now, the problem is they're going to have new issues, but still, it's fun to kind of look at and be like, I want a guy that breaks a bunch of tackles. So you can look at a guy like uh, Jonathan Brooks over at Texas, which it's it's funny because certain schools you just start to identify with certain, like Illinois is becoming like one of my favorite for defensive players. Texas, immediately, I think running backs now, just because of last year. They had two guys that I really liked, but Jonathan Brooks is another one, six foot two oh seven. Guy has 63 missed tackles forced, 63 in 10 games, so over six per game. He's never had less than three. Now, yes, it's college, but, you know, he went up against Alabama and had four, and then had 11 against Wyoming, seven against Baylor, six against Kansas, eight against Oklahoma, seven against Houston, four against BYU, 10 against uh, Kansas State, and three this past week, which is his lowest along with week one against Rice, where he had three. So you want a guy that breaks a bunch of tackles? There you go. Jonathan Brooks. Anyways, I didn't realize how long this was taking. Uh, Let's take a break, and we'll be right back. All righty-dighty. Let's look at the offensive line. We kind of covered this a little bit, um, but... uh, Rashid Walker, Yash Nyman, I think I did this on Packard After Dark a little bit, but they alternated quite a bit. You had 41 snaps from Rashid Walker at left tackle, 31 from Yash Nyman. Uh, Yash Nyman had a 38 pass blocking grade, three pressures given up, including a sack and two hurries. So Yash is uh, rapidly losing his job to Rashid Walker, which again is a good thing. We know Yash. Yash is a good dude. He's a good backup. You want Rashid to take his job, and I think he's doing that. Rashid with an 82 pass blocking grade, 63 run blocking. Fantastic day. Bad defense, true, don't care, great day. Elton Jenkins uh, struggling as a run blocker, 50.9 run blocking grade. That obviously is not ideal. It's not good enough, whatever. But a 76.4 pass blocking grade. Josh Myers, 63.2 run blocking, 76.6 pass blocking grade. At right guard, John Runyon, not a good day. 59.4 run blocking grade, which is fine by itself, but not if you have a 56 pass blocking grade. 
giving up two pressures. He's just not getting it done right now. Um, and again, Sean Ryan, six snaps, zero pass blocking grade. I don't even care about anything else. And then Zach Tom, as I said, 75 pass blocking grade, 67.8, call it a 68 run blocking grade. Gave up one pressure, which was just a hurry in this game. No hits, no sacks. There were also three penalties, one from Yash, one from Jordan Love, and one from Christian Watson. Some other grades from other players. Um, So Rasheed Walker and Josh Myers had the highest pass blocking grades. After that was Aaron Jones with a 76.4, which is cool. Then Elton Jenkins and Zach Tom, which makes sense. Then it was Tucker Kraft, was the only other guy in the 70s. So fantastic to see that. His run blocking uh, was not as good, which is unfortunate because that's what you do more so. Tucker Kraft, only two pass blocking snaps, 15 run blocking, but we don't need to worry about that. He's actually the worst run blocking player on the team, <laughs> 37.6. Uh, actually, zero players had a 70 run blocking grade or higher, but Yash was the highest with a 69. Um, again, just real quick context. I want to look at the Detroit Lions offensive line because, again, this is one that is considered a elite, premier, best offensive line, whatever. Eagles are also up there, which they, I just looked, they had a, an unbelievable week. We can look at that too, but just for context, right? Detroit Lions, very good offensive line. At left tackle, 78 pass blocking, 57 run blocking. At left guard, 37 pass blocking, 49 run blocking. At center, 69 pass blocking, 70 run blocking. Actually, I lied. That's not center. That was right guard. At center, 79 pass blocking, 75 run blocking. And at right tackle, 67 pass blocking, 82 run blocking. So what stands out, a couple different things. Um, They do have better run blockers. There's no doubt about that. They had, what, uh, their center, right guard, and right tackle all have really good run blocking grades. That's Penny Sewell, Graham Glasgow, and Frank Ragnow. Um, the pass blocking also was generally pretty good, although three out of the, well, I guess only the, uh, the, the, the left guard is a backup, so I don't really want to hammer on that too much, but you've got the right tackle, the right guard, um, and the, I cannot keep these things straight here. Three out of the five did not have 70 or higher pass blocking grade. The bottom line is it's not like 90, 90, 90, 90, 90 across the board. There's 50 run blocking grades. There's 30 pass blocking grades. Like that stuff is happening. Now the Eagles did have an elite week. Um, Jordan Mailata, 84 and 80. Uh, Landon Dickerson, 73 and 80. Their center, Jason Kelsey, 84, 83. Uh, The right guard, 68, 61. And right tackle, 68, 71. So the right guard, right tackle, good, not great. The center, left guard, left tackle, elite, elite. However, Go back to the last game that they played. Jordan Mailata, the left tackle, 48 run blocking, 47 pass blocking. Uh, Left guard Landon Dickerson, 83 pass blocking, but 56 run blocking. The center, 92 run blocking grade, but a 67 pass blocking grade. The right guard, 13 pass blocking grade, 66 run blocking. And then the right tackle, Lane Johnson, 70 and 68 pass blocking, run blocking. It was a bad week for the offensive line. It happens. There's no such thing as like everybody is elite and everybody's elite all the time in all the categories. We talk about these great offensive lines like, well, the Packers aren't that good. Well, you're right. They're not probably as good as this offensive line. But we can't look at it and say, well, so-and-so had a bad day, so it's we can't pretend that they're as good as Lane Johnson. You think Lane doesn't have bad days? He said two weeks, their right tackle, where he's at a 70 or higher run blocking grade. Two. Anyways, let's get it flipped over to the defense now. 
Grades were definitely disappointing. Only three guys with 70 or higher grades. That's Corey Ballantyne, which congrats to him because I didn't have any expectations for him. And um, he's played four weeks, but three of them kind of as a starter. And his grades in those games, week two against Detroit, 70. Week 10 against Pittsburgh, 71. Week 11 against the Chargers, 71. Like, what the heck is going on here? He had a 60-grade week three, but only played 30 snaps, which is kind of a lot, but it's about a half of a game. So he has been fantastic. I have no idea what's going on with Corey Ballantyne, but he's been great. I kind of figured it would be like Valentine, where he comes in the first week, tears it up, you get jacked up, and then he kind of like falls into like who he really is. He hasn't done that. Uh, number two is Carl Brooks. Big jump up to an 81 grade, 72 run defense, and a 71 pass rush grade. And then number one is Kenny Clark with a 90 grade, 78 run defense, and an 82 pass rush grade. That's awesome. However, that's it. Getting down into the 60s, you got Kingsley, you got Anthony Johnson, you got Lucas Van Ness, Colby Wooden, Carrington Valentine, Benny Sapp. Get down into the 50s, Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, Keyshawn Nixon. Then we're already in the 40s. We got a bunch of guys left. Quay Walker, 46. Devontae Wyatt, 46. Isaiah McDuffie, 46. TJ Slayton, 45. Devondre Campbell, 44. Jonathan Owens, 40. Like, that's that's not good, man. You can't have one, two, three, four, five, six guys grade out in the 40s. Like, look, the Chargers have a decent offense, but give me a freaking break, man. Three players showed up? Three? What are we doing here, man? This is this is frustrating. Lucas Van Ness, when are you gonna show up, dude? Rashawn, what is this? Two weeks in a row? Three weeks in a row? Basically, since you got paid, you haven't had a good day. I mean, Pittsburgh, you had a good game. Since week 8, 50, 60, 79, 59. Four weeks, you had one good game. What are we doing, Rashawn? You spending too much of that money or what? We can't do this. I mean, his pressures, you can tell me when it started to dip. 5, 3, 5, 4, 3, 6, 2, 5, 1, 2. 2, 1, and 2 in the last four? Bro, the lowest he had prior to getting paid was 3. Three out of his last four weeks, he's had less than three. This is bullcrap, Rashawn. Come on, dude. Don't do this to me. Do not do this. Do not become that guy who gets paid and then disappears. Don't freaking do that. Preston in the, well, yeah, he, he was also in the 50s with Rashawn. Uh, Quay Walker in the 40s. Like, come on, man. I'm trying to get excited about you, but I can't. He had a good game against Minnesota week eight. He's in the 40s this week. Well, he just came back from injury. Okay, Denver, 60. Las Vegas, 35. Detroit, 50s. New Orleans, 43. I mean, he had good first two weeks. Since then, he's been terrible. 40, 50, 30, 60, 70, 40. That's crap, dude. You have a 64 grade, and the only reason it's not way lower is because you had a 92 week one. That's the only reason that you're not grading out in the 40s across the board. This is bull crap, dude. Devontae Wyatt, as soon as I opened my mouth about how good he was, I mean, it's, it's almost like may, maybe there's something wrong with his defense. I've been talking about how like the pass rush vanished the last couple of weeks. Maybe it's after the bye. I don't know. I don't know what happened. But in the exact same time span that Rashawn Gary has disappeared as a pass rusher, Devontae Wyatt disappeared as a pass rusher. Six, three, one, four, three, two, three. Last three weeks, one, one, two. What happened? His grades were 70, 60, 70, 70, 90. Last three weeks, 40, 60, 40. What is happening? Isaiah McDuffie looked like he was going to be a pretty solid player. He was in the 40s. Like, okay. TJ Slayton, we got all excited about TJ. Exact same time frame, by the way. I mean, not great grades, but 
you know, 70, 60, 70, 60, 60, 60, 80. And then the last three weeks, 50, 40, 40. Wait, 50, 40, 40? Dude, what is happening the last three weeks? What is going on? Devondre Campbell. Week nine, I mean, his grade 70, 70, 70, 70, 70. The last two weeks, 50, 40. Something changed. Something is different. I don't know what it is, but there's been a change, and some of these guys are not doing well. I have no idea what's going on. But the last three weeks or so, and Kenny's been a beneficiary. He's been he's had his best three weeks the last three weeks. I don't know what changed, but something changed, and you know, Kenny's doing better, but Rashawn vanished, Preston vanished, Devontae Wyatt vanished. Maybe it's maybe it's losing some of the pieces at corner. We're we're kind of dropping more guys in coverage. Maybe I don't know because Valentine's been solid. Valentine's been solid. Like the coverage has been there. Anthony Johnson's looking good. That's the only thing I can think. I have no idea what's going on. But this is freaking weird and it's annoying and it's frustrating. And I'm just gonna do myself a favor and assume that Joe Barry made some kind of a change that's screwing over most of our defense because otherwise, three weeks ago, everybody decided they just got together and said, let's just quit. Let's just quit playing football. That's the alternative. I don't. That's the only other thing I can come up with. Jeez. Anyways, pressures. Kenny Clark had six pressures on 33 attempts. Preston Smith, five pressures on 37 attempts. Both of those are great. Devontae Wyatt, two on 22. That is meh. Carl Brooks, two on 19. Meh. TJ Slayton, two on 17 for, for Slayton. That's his... Good as you're ever going to get. Congratulations. Rashawn Gary, two pressures on 33 attempts. That sucks. He did have a sack, but I don't care. That sucks. Uh, what else we got? Kingsley had one pressure on 13 attempts. Meh. Lucas Van Ness, again, zero on eight attempts. When was the last time this dude had a pressure? Uh, he had two pressures against LA and five against Chicago. He's had zero against Atlanta, New Orleans, Detroit, Las Vegas, Denver, uh, Minnesota, Pittsburgh, and now the Chargers. In almost every single game, he's at zero. So that's not great. The only sacks coming from Carl Brooks and Rashawn Gary. Stops in this game, three from Keyshawn and Devondre, two from Lucas Van Ness, Quay, and Carrington Valentine, and then one from Valentine, Enigbare, Wyatt, Carl Brooks, Jonathan Owens, TJ Slade, Rashawn Gary, Kenny Clark, Preston Smith. Zero from Wooden, Sapp, Johnson, and McDuffie. Targets, the most targeted was Keyshawn Nixon. Nine targets, seven receptions, gave up 50 yards. After that was Valentine, eight targets, but just three receptions for 22 yards. I, you know, I don't care what his grades are. Uh, that's pretty fantastic. I mean, he had a 60 coverage grade, but I'll take that any day. Corey Valentine, four targets, just one reception for 17 yards. Quay Walker, four targets, three receptions, 66 yards and a touchdown. That obviously sucks. Jonathan Owens, four targets, four receptions, 56 yards, and a touchdown. That's dog crap. 158.3 passer rating. Devondre Campbell, three targets, two receptions, 38 yards. Isaiah McDuffie, one target, one reception, 11 yards. Um, otherwise, Anthony Johnson Jr., 46 snaps in coverage, zero targets. I think, isn't that like the second time that that's happened? Didn't that happen last week? Yeah, it was, it was, well, two weeks ago, he had 36, but he's had 95 total snaps and coverage and has never once been targeted and has a pick. So zero targets, zero receptions for zero yards and one pick, 0.0 passer rating when targeted. So I guess I'm satisfied with that production. (laughs) 
Anyways, I did want to look at some more contextual things. I just, I'm not, I'm not feeling it right now. I'm just kind of annoyed with stuff. I don't really want to look into I'm just, I'm just freaking annoyed, man. I don't, I, I'm so tired of like getting excited about things and then just having it snatched out from me. You know what I mean? I mean, I listen, here's, here's some context. TJ Watt has bad days, but TJ Watt will always be a great player. I mean, you know, he'll get old one day and it'll start to wear off. Maybe he'll retire before. I don't know. It doesn't matter. The bottom line is he's good and you always have to worry about him. It's not this thing where it's like, oh, wait, maybe he's bad. He's had like a three, four, five game streak where he just can't do anything. Oh, shucks. Like, that's not a thing. So I am just going to join the chorus with, with, with entirely ill-informed opinion and blame it all on Joe Barry. I don't have anything to back that up. I don't have any film study. I'm just freaking sick of this. I'm sick of seeing the high-end potential that these guys have and then just being like, well, it's gone. Why is it gone? Well, it's, it's Rashawn Gary's fault. Why? What happened to Kenny? What happened to Preston? What happened to Slayton? What happened to Wyatt? What happened to Kingsley? We've seen it. What happened to Devondre? What happened to Quay? What happened to Jair? Why is it every single player we've had, we see this unbelievable high-end production, but we can't seem to find a way to harness it and keep it on the field? It's always, this guy had a great day. Hey, there's like peak Rashawn. That's what we've been waiting for. Everybody else sucked, but at least Rashawn showed out today. And then Rashawn vanishes, and Devondre and, and Jair have a great day. Like, hey, there we go for them. Except everyone else sucked, and the defense overall sucked, and everything sucks. I'm tired of it. You know, Devontae Adams had bad days. Like, two a year. Maybe. Aaron Rodgers, you know, when it wasn't 2022 or whatever. He had bad days, but it was rare, and it was usually the offensive line's fault for not keeping him clean. He was, all, he was a good football player. Bakhtiari has bad days, almost never, but occasionally. The bottom line is, good players can, can slip up once in a while. I don't know why on this defense, nobody can ever consistently be good at anything. I'm tired of, of constantly getting exciting, excited about guys and watching them just vanish. I'm watching Jordan just continue to get better every week. I'm watching Jaden get better every week. I'm watching Wyatt get better every week. I'm watching these offensive linemen just emerge. Zach Tom, just boom, he's just good. Elton Jenkins, I mean, he's, he's kind of flickering a little bit, but he's a good football player. He's the guy. I know he's the guy. Rasheed Walker, seventh round pick. He's suddenly becoming, like we, we put almost no resources into the offense and look at what's happening. We got fourth round tackles, fourth round wide receivers, fifth round wide receivers, and we're all screaming about how, how much we love watching these guys play. We threw a second round and a third round pick at tight end, and we were screaming and cheering for both of them this past week. We got first round picks just gushing with talent that have been at one point or another the absolute best in the entire NFL at their position that just suddenly are like, well, they can't play anymore. They're no good anymore. Like for the last three weeks... Half of our defense suddenly forgot how to play. That's weird. We could call that just a wild coincidence, but I'm not buying it. I don't think it's a coincidence. I'm annoyed, and I'm going to end annoyed. I'm getting out of here. (laughs) You guys have a good rest of your day. Take care of your shoulders and hamstrings. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Shoulders and hamstrings. Why do you do what you do and get hurt? Stop getting hurt, please. Shoulders and hamstrings. Shoulders and hamstrings. Shoulders and hamstrings. Shoulders and hamstrings. Thank you, Jesus, for Jaden Reed. Jaden.